Welcome to Hoop Ties. This is your boy, Ma K. Smith, also known as A-Kiss. Make sure you go like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, go watch on YouTube. The 2023 Hall of Fame class for the Basketball Association has been kind of announced. We have Dwayne Wade, Becky Hammond, Greg Popovich, Paul Gasol, Tony Parker, and Dirk Nowitzki. I want to talk about three players in particularly when we talk about the game of basketball. Three players that I kind of grew up watching, grew up loving, and kind of grew up even like just kind of modeling my game after we talk about guards for Tony Parker and Dwayne Wade, of course. These two two players, especially Dwayne Wade, um, holds a kind of like my favorite player of all time. But for us, Dwayne Wade, I think people kind of forgot about Dwayne Wade a little bit since he's retired. But Dwayne Wade, to me, he's a top 20 player of all time. To me personally, he's a top 15 player. He was a rare breed when we talk about an NBA, a guy that was a 6'4", combo guard, but a guy that was like had crazy strength, size, athleticism, one of the, the most athletic guards this league has ever seen. But he's incredibly polished and skilled. We talk about handle ability. We talk about scoring and operating at the second level in the basketball court. One of the you know deadliest mid-range shooters this league has ever seen. Still, to me, to this day, the greatest guard at splitting screens <laughs> and finishing at the rim. Um, to, he has a case to, to be probably the greatest number three player to wear the number three jersey in the history of the game, even over Allen Iverson. He has that case. Uh, Dwayne Wade was extremely, extremely special. And then what he 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 did to that city, he did for that city of Miami Heat, he brought them their first ever NBA championship in his third season. And then we talk about the 08 redeemed team as well. Averaged the most points coming off the bench, took the sacrifice when everybody was like, who's going to come off the bench? Because they had LeBron, they had Kobe, they had Carmelo, like, Who's going to come off the bench? Dwayne Wade took that upon himself, and he was their leading scorer. And also, you know, legit case can be made that he was their best player in that tournament, you know, that Olympics run. So Dwayne Wade is a phenomenal player, phenomenal talent, and a guy that I feel like doesn't get the, the credit and appreciation that he deserves. But I'm here to tell you, to me, top 15 talent ever, probably top 20 of all time, top 20 to 25 of all time. Dwayne Wade, hell of a player, and shout out to him for making the Hall of Fame. And then another player, another guard that I grew up watching on YouTube, modeling my game after a player, another player I feel like that's, that's really underrated, Tony Parker. A player that, I don't know why we don't talk about Tony Parker being a top 10 point guard of all time, because he has a case for it. Tony Parker was a player that a lot of people are going to say, well, he was kind of a product of this, the the San Antonio Spurs offense. He was a kind of a product of the San Antonio Spurs system. But I'm telling you here right now that they don't win those championships without Tony Parker. This is a guy who wasn't really fast, but he was super quick. One of the best headsies this game has ever seen. One of the best spin moves and get into the realm and get into, and laying the ball up this league has ever seen. Also, the, the greatest guard when we talk about floaters. These are all basic fundamentals. The hezzy, the spin move, the floaters. This is what we talk about when we talk about mastering the fundamentals. That's what Tony Parker did. And it was every year that the San Antonio Spurs went on their championship runs, people would say, yo, is Tony Parker the best point guard in the league? Because we know in the regular season, we know <laughs> Greg Popovich, we know about the San Antonio Spurs, kind of like the Kings of load management. They knew it was, a, it was all about the marathon and not about a sprint. So, you know, they were wrestler players and it wasn't about having these great super regular season numbers and stats. It's more, what can you do as a team? So 
I feel like Tony Parker kind of got overlooked, but in the playoffs, he shined, he shined, he shined, he showed up, which had people feeling like, yo, maybe Tony Parker is the best point guard <laughs> in the league because in the playoffs, he was very, very dominant. That's why he has a finals MVP. And then, of course, Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk Nowitzki probably has arguments to be, you know, Lucas coming up and, and Nicole Yoke is coming up. But before those guys, even now, you, you can make a case that Dirk Nowitzki is the greatest European player this league has ever seen. Even with Luka and Nicole Jokic, and even if Giannis Antetokounmpo, because, you know, Giannis has a title as well. But that run that Dirk Nowitzki went on in 2011, and he beat the Los Angeles Lakers, Oklahoma City Thunder, and he beat <laughs> a super team of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, all in their peak, all in their prime. And I'm, I keep saying him because he was a, the focal point. He was the, the head honcho. He was the leader of the unit. He was the guy. He was the, he was the, he was the alpha for that team. And he was phenomenal. He was special. That's probably arguably, if not a top five run of all time, probably can make a case it's probably a top three. And top five is probably being generous. That's what Dirk Nowitzki was about and also one of the most unstoppable shots this league has ever seen. We talk about Kareem Skyhook, Dirk Nowitzki's one-leg one fadeaway is unguardable. And I don't know, Dirk Nowitzki is so cold, I don't know if his scoring ability at the second level of the basketball score on the court for his mid-range is better than his three-point shooting ability because it's just like his game was so pure. This is a, a player that, as a big man, made it cool to kind of like be a shooter. I mean, we talk about Larry Bird, of course, but like, you know, Dirk Nowitzki was the first kind of like modernized big when we talk about just pure scoring ability and kind of like doing things his way and not going and getting away from that traditional mode of like just being a big man operating at the first level of the basketball court. You can got to give homage to Dirk Nowitzki. And what I love about Dwayne Wade and what I love about Tony Parker and what I love about Dirk Nowitzki is that all three of those guys basically played with, you know, one team their entire franchise for for entire careers I'm sorry Dirk Nowitzki of course retired only playing with the Dallas Mavericks Dwayne Wade had a, a stint at Chicago then you know he got traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers and he came back to Miami but basically we know Dwayne Wade is a Miami Heat player same thing with Tony Parker he went to the Charlotte Hornets for a season but we know Tony Parker of being a, a San Antonio Spurs so all three of those guys I just want to congratulate all three of those guys I want to show respect to because I'm starting to feel like, yo, their career stats may not be like some of these other guys, but when we talk about the best players of all time, you have to mention Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki, and people start to need to give, you know, Tony Parker the respect he deserves when we talk about the top 10 point guards of all time and just guards in general, especially what Tony Parker did for the San Antonio Spurs organization with Tim Duncan. But that's here and there. Coming up, we have Swiper Cam, a fire interview where we're talking about Kobe Bryant. We're talking about the Denver Nuggets, of course, because he's a reporter for the Mile House Sports Network. And we're talking about Giannis Antetokounmpo. We're talking about who should be the MVP. Stay tuned. Welcome back to another fire episode of Hoop Ties. I'm your host, Amai K. Smith. Today we have Swiper Live in the building, Denver's and Denver Nuggets analyst. How you doing, buddy? 
Man, I'm living, bro. It's great to come on, man. I've been a been a fan of your work now for a couple of years, bro. So I'm glad to be get a chance to do something with you. No, definitely. We've been talking for a minute, man. I mean, I appreciate you coming on and hopping and joining the show. First question I want to get started. Where are you from? Because I see you be always posting Denver, Denver Nuggets mm-hmm. tweets, Denver Nuggets content. So are you from actually Denver? Yeah, I'm from born and raised in Denver, Colorado, Park Hill, Denver, Colorado, the same area. Okay. It's like Chauncey Billups and like Lindell White and players like that. So yeah, born and raised in the city. Okay, so who would you say, you know, inspired you, your love for the game of basketball? Is it Chauncey or? No, no, no. We got to... We got to go back to the 90s with that. It was obvious. It was Jordan, bro. I, I had oh, okay. Jordan and everything. The DVDs, his airness, the shoes, the whole nine. It was definitely Mike. So was the Chicago Bulls your favorite team growing up or? Yeah, I mean, I'm always a hometown kid, so I always watch the Nuggets. But, you know, when you're in your single digits especially, I mean, watching Michael Jordan, you know, take down all these teams in the Knicks series and watching them play versus the Lakers and watching them play versus Utah later on. I was so captivated by Michael Jordan and how he played the sport. So he was always my favorite player and like maybe my sports inspiration, but I was always a hometown kid. I was definitely loyal to my city. No, I, I definitely respect that. But we're going to get into it because like you said, you cover the Denver Nuggets, always talking about it on Twitter, always talking about this and that. So I want to ask you, for is this season coming up? for the postseason, what do the Denver Nuggets have to do to kind of reach the promised land? Yeah, that's a really good question, Brody. So one of the big things is that your defense, a lot of people have a lot of issues with either Jokic at the rim or the pick and roll coverages or Jamal Murray's point of attack or whatever else it might be. But they've been very scheme dependent this year. They started the year off 28th in defense through the first, really, you know, about like 15 or so points of the, of the gear. Uh, but then literally from December 14th to now, which is about 50 games, roughly 49, they've had the number six defense in the NBA ever since. And that's because they've been so tight on their coverages. Uh, they are really good at attacking you and getting a lot of ball pressure, bringing people up to the level, making sure Jokic is not having to be in space a lot. Uh, the biggest thing for them is their offense when Jokic is on the court is the best in the NBA. But the other side of it is, is are you going to be able to keep people from getting into the paint? Because Aaron Gordon is a decent rim protector, not great. Jokic is not a good rim protector. Michael Porter Jr. is not a great rim protector. So if that's the case, then you want to try to find a way to mitigate your weaknesses and try to uplift your own strength. And for them, getting in transition, for them, it's getting good shots. They lead the NBA in shot quality with layups. They get great three-point looks. How do you maximize really key possessions while making sure you're not allowing teams to expose you as often as possible when they're playing defense versus you? So really. Those are the biggest things. Yeah, so I, I like some of the things you're saying, but the only question I have is like, you know, in the playoffs, the game kind of slows down. Like you're talking about like transitions, you're talking about threes and this and that. But for when it comes to half court setting, half court offense in the in the playoffs, what do you feel like they're going to have to do if they're not getting those, you know, transition, those easy threes, those, you know, basically, you know, teams start playing defense. So it's just kind of yeah. like, what do you feel like they have to do to kind of like prevail when that happens? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, the Denver Nuggets actually have one of the best half-court offenses in basketball. And I think a lot of this comes down to when you have a supercomputer that basically is the best player in your roster. Jokic is so good in isolation, but he's really good at DHO, dribble handoffs. He's really good coming off the ball in actions. And so when you make a two-man game with Jamal Murray at the level, because, you know, as you know, you know, when they get in the playoffs, they get into a situation down the stretch, they will literally bring Jamal and Jokic up near half-court 
and basically yeah. going to make you make a decision. So either you're going to drop and you're going to give Jamal open space to work with the three-point shooter shooting 40% basically on a year and really in the last, you know, 30 games especially, or are you going to try to trap Jamal and then you're going to leave Jokic with a short roll and he's the best playmaking big maybe ever. And now you got Michael Porter Jr. Bro, a lot of people don't realize this. MBJ is shooting over 50% on the year in corner three-point shooting. Like, it's insane. Even you got Caldwell Pope shooting above 40% in the corners as well. So, and then you got AG in the dunker spot. So what makes them so potent is that even if you keep them out of transition, their offense is so malleable because they can adjust to whatever situation you're in. You know, we saw this versus the Milwaukee Bucks the other day, but they tried to play drop coverage versus Jamal. Jamal had 20 points in the first quarter. They tried to ISO Brook Lopez and Jokic, and Jokic was basically taking them to the rim. But I think a lot of this is just going to be execution. And when you do see different coverages, not getting so overwhelmed by the moment that you make mistakes. Because as you know, if you turn the ball over in those situations, you're basically dead, you know. And like you said, you know, those key moments in, in the playoffs, making mistakes, things happen, role players get tight. And it's been a lot of talk about this season with the Denver Nuggets. Like, I personally feel like Aaron Gordon has probably been their second best player in the regular season. But is that going to translate to the playoffs? So do you feel like it has to be Aaron Gordon or do you feel like Jamal Murray has to kind of like rise to the occasion and remind folks like why he's one of the best young guards in this league? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I would say that the first 15 games, it was Porter was the best, second best player in the roster. And then when he went down with injury, AG went crazy. And again, you know, Jamal just, right, bro, like was going nuts. I mean, he was averaging like 20 and seven, shooting like 65 and then 40 and then like, you know, bad from the free throw, like 68 from the free throw. But then he started to kind of like tail off a little bit. And then Murray, basically the last 35 games have just been averaging like 23, seven and four shooting again, 40% from three and around 50% from the field, um, 82% from the line. So Murray had been their second best player, but I would say, bro, I think the biggest release valve and the most important asset they're going to have is Porter and can Porter hit key shots, can Porter make his rotations on defense, can Porter be lined up as a wing defender in isolation at times, and can he, can he, can he do a good enough job to not get lost in the process? Because you're going to have Jamal and Jokic, and Jokic is going to basically give you 30, 13, and 5 again in the playoff run. Jamal hopefully is going to give you somewhere around 23, 5, and 5. So if you can get Porter to get you 18 on great efficiency, like the player that he is right now, Man, I think that's gonna make that's gonna that's gonna be like the backbreaker for a lot of defenses, you know. So it seems like you're saying that Michael Porter Jr. got to be their X factor coming to post. Yeah, bro, I, I really think so. <laughs> I really do. No, that, that's very interesting because I, I kind of feel the same way. I think he's incredibly talented. Like he's super. He's a six ten sharp shooter. He can shoot over yeah. anybody in his league. Kind of similar to Kevin Durant. Of course, not like Kevin Durant put the ball on the floor and stuff like that. But just shooting ability and pureness. Um, he's a phenomenal player. I will say, though, my only concern with the Denver Nuggets going into the playoffs is Nikola Jokic. And the reason why I say that is because I know he's, he's, he's the initiator. He's the, the point center, the first point center this game has ever seen. But in the playoffs, do you think that's too much responsibility for him to have? Because you all, as you know, the game's going to slow down and what are teams going to do with Nikola Jokic on the defensive right. side? They're, they're going to hunt him. And if he yeah. has to initiate the offense, find looks for everybody, get guys open shots and score. And he's getting hunted on defense because, you know, the playoffs, everybody got to play defense. There's no more high. There's no more, you know, mm -hmm. you know, it's all that, all that stuff is, is out the window because in the regular season, nobody really playing defense. So that's my only concern about the Denver Nuggets. I've coming into this year, I picked the Denver Nuggets to like 
go to the Western Conference. I said they could possibly go to the finals because I felt like this was the year. And with Michael Porter getting back, Jamal Murray coming back healthy, um, I felt like with Nikola Jokic, top five player in the game, you know, that's how I feel. I don't know how, how you have them. I felt like they were going to be a, a, a force. But my only problem is I don't know if Nikola Jokic can be the initiator and have so much responsibility and then have to play defense as well going into the playoffs. Right. I think he may get tired out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I think that's why they have tried to do a good job at managing his minutes. But like you said, at the end of the day, Jokic is just going to have to lock in. And by lock in, play committed to the scheme that they're going to play. And I think the thing is, Jokic last year, you know, he basically averaged 31, 13, and 5 on 63% true shooting. And then he averaged the last three games, 35, 15, and 6 on 73% true shooting. Like the Warriors had no answer for him. But on the other end, like you said, I think a lot of this came down to he was playing with Monte Morris and Will Barton and last year Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green was starting a small forward last year. So can Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and this version of, of Aaron Gordon, can they do enough around him? That way he doesn't have to carry the load that he's had to the last two playoff runs, but also can he commit to playing defense at a high level? And I would even say like this, bro, you don't have to do it all game because no one plays like elite level defense the entire game. But can That's you do it at the end of the second quarter? Can you do it at the top of the third quarter? And can you do it in the clutch? Now, what I will say, bro, and you told me if you think this is smoke, because it might be smoke. But you know, the Denver Nuggets have had the best clutch defense in the NBA this year in the last five minutes of the game. And I know like a lot of people who are surprised when they hear that. But for you, do you think that they can carry that momentum of being at least an elite level defense when it matters? Do you think they can carry that into the playoffs in order to maybe get it done in some serious series versus the Suns or the Warriors, maybe even the Bucks or the Celtics? I mean, they're going to have to. I feel like yeah. that's the only way they're going to prevail if they had to lock in on the defensive side of the, the basketball floor. I mean, we know what they're going to bring you on the offense, especially Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray. And those guys, even offensively, I feel like it's all about being consistent. Because you, you know Jamal Murray, some days he can get you 30, 35. Some days he can get you 15. Even Michael Porter right. Jr., sometimes he looks like, yo, Michael Porter Jr. potentially can be a star-level player in this league. Other times he looks like, okay, Third, third option on a championship caliber team this is probably his peak. So it's just like, what are those two guys are going to bring you as well as the defensive side on the floor? But, you know, we spoke a lot about, you know, the Denver Nuggets and things like that. I have to ask you about the MVP race with Nikola Jokic. And, you know, it's been a lot of talk, this and that. If, should he be the first three-time MVP winner since Larry Bird? Is there some bias going on within the media? Should it be Joel Embiid? Should it be Giannis? So I want to ask you, to give you a real unbiased opinion on like, who do you feel like is deserving of the MVP this year? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, I, I last July, I believe, I actually said that I think the only way Joker actually even gets in the conversation to win is if they're the number one seed in the West, he averages a triple-double, and he has like 70% true shooting. And then literally a lot, like, it all happened. Like, all the stuff that didn't seem like it could have happened, happened. So what I'll say is that Embiid is averaging 33, 10, and 4, 65% true shooting. And, you know, he's been dominant, bro. Like, again, 49, 9, and 8 versus the Warriors the tonight. 47, 18, and 5 with two blocks and three steals versus Joker on January 28th. Giannis going nuts, 31, 12, and 5, bro. Like, it's insane what they've been doing. And Giannis, I think, has an argument to be the best two-way player in basketball. 
I, I think the thing for me that's kind of the, the differentiator is Jokic has played more games than all of them. He's been more available. Jokic doesn't have the same level of help around them, but he's still been as successful or more successful than the other two when he's played. Um, and again, this is no disrespect to Jamal and Porter and, and AG. I think they're incredible for the team, but I, they're not like Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez or James Harden. You know what I mean? Like they're just different tiers of players. But I think it's going to come down to Embiid is playing Giannis. I think this Sunday, I want to say, I think they play head to head. Giannis just played Denver and he lost in Denver. Jokic had 31, 11 assists and six rebounds. Uh, and then Embiid, obviously, you know, because of an injury, he was not able to play in Denver um, this past Monday. I'm not going to lie, bro. It's going to be crazy close. But I think the thing that's going to separate everybody is I think Embiid is like the, the person that people are trying to get there. But I think with Embiid missing games again, and I also think with the fact that they're going to be the clear third seed, and they might be fighting Cleveland the last seven games to beat a fourth seed. So if you're telling me that you got Giannis in the first seed, Jokic in the first seed, and Embiid have played less than 70 games, I think that might be a little hard to give it to him. So I'm going to go with the person I've been picking all year. I think it's going to be Jokic, but I honestly wouldn't be mad. Honestly, I think if, if somebody wants to make an argument and say you don't want to give somebody three straight, I probably would say it might need to be Giannis, given how great he's been, the same level of game played as Embiid, but like yeah. the dude's just been incredible basically since January. Yeah, I think I think everything you said is 100% factual. I think I came into the year saying I was picking Nicole Jokic to win, you know, become the first three-time MVP winner since Larry Bird. A lot of it because I felt some of the same things that you kind of voiced, talking about I thought the Denver Nuggets was going to be a, a top seed. I was like, yo, they gave him to him as a sixth seed. If they're the number one seed and his game is, you know, still the same, why wouldn't you give it to him? But like you said, Giannis Antetokounmpo, probably the best two-way player in the game, even though I feel like, you know, we always talk about two-way player and his defensibility is more so rim protecting than actual guarding, which I prefer. But still, you can't take that away from him. And then what Giannis has done without Chris Milton, Chris Milton has been basically out all year. So and even him being back, he hasn't been the same as we, you know, accustomed to seeing. And then with Joe Embiid, I think Joe Embiid's situation is like, like you said, he has James Harden. James Harden is still a lead player. James Harden can be on the all-NBA you know, team this year, maybe the third team. Like, we don't know. He's right. been phenomenal. And then Joe Embiid, the missed games. It's just kind of like, you look at the the MVP odds. He missed a game against Nikola Jokic the other night. He was leading, and then he dropped off. Now, some people are going to say that's unfair because he's hurt and things of that nature. We've seen um, Joe Embiid going against Nikola Jokic. You know, he dropped, what, it was 47 or something. That was a great game and, and this and that. But, you know, these games count. It's the closing, <laughs> closing out the season. You want to play. You Head-to-head -head matches matter. So it's going to be interesting. I think the, the biggest thing that I like about Nicole Jokic, Joe Embiid, and also Giannis Antetokounmpo is they're all modern bigs. You know, mm -hmm. this is like they've kind of changed the game. Like this is the first time we've seen a point center. And everybody talks about two-way players for us, like, you know, defense and offensive capability. But when I think of a two, when, you talk to, when we talk about Joe Embiid, I think of like a, he's like a shooting guard. That's a center. Right. <laughs> the handle ability, the, the fadeaway, you know, like the, the footwork in the post. The That's face insane, game, bro. The, the, the face of game. It's like, it's like watching like a, it's like watching Kobe, but as a, a 16 center. Yeah, it's crazy, bro. So it's just like, and then Giannis, we know what he's a freak of nature, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's crazy how talented these players are. So, I mean, I'm very interested to see like what's going to happen at the end of the year. Bro, I'm not going to lie to you, bro. Sometimes 
I'll watch Giannis get in that little triple threat position uh, and, like, he'll get to the basket whenever he wants. I'm like, all right, bro. Like, you might as well just get out the way and let him run. And then he yeah. going to be when B get that ball right at that free throw line. You try to double him. He can hit that step back. He can do that little turn, fade away into it. If you give him too yeah. much space, he can go over the top. He can dunk on you. Yeah, bro. Like, I, I think I've asked myself this, like, you know, is this one of the best generation of bigs, including Anthony Davis when he's healthy, that I've ever seen in yeah. yeah, bro. I mean, you know, think about man. it. In the 2000s, we got Tim Duncan, we got Kevin Garnett, we got Dirk, and we got Shaq, you know, 2003-ish era. Those four. But, those four, yeah. And you can talk I'm about saying, Anthony Davis, Nicole Jokic, Giannis Cooper. <laughs> um, who was I missing with? Joel, Joel B. Like, B, those, yeah. those four those versus those four, which four would you rather have, especially in their prom, especially in their peak? I'd probably go to the, the older guys because it's just, you know, yeah, championship experience and also defense and things of that nature. But these young guys are coming, especially if I feel like even if Nikola Jokic does not win the MVP this year or Giannis is not win the MVP this year, for those two, because, you know, Joe and B for his injury histories and stuff like that, you know, he has to stay healthy enough to win the MVP. It could be this year. But I feel mm -hmm. like for Giannis and Nikola Jokic, they ain't going nowhere because they tanks. They always plan. Like they're always durable. Like durability, availability matters in this in this league. So those guys are always going to be for the next what? Nicole Jokic is 28. I think Giannis is what, 27, 28? They're, they're going to be 28 for the next three, four, or five years. They're always going to have a chance to be racking up these MVPs and don't let them start winning titles. So it's right. going to be very interesting. Next question I have for you, Swiper. Who would you say is the most talented player to ever wear a Denver Nuggets jersey? Talent, talent, not not best player, yeah. most talented, most talented. I mean, bro, there's there's a couple players that come to mind. I think you know Jokic is talented in a different way. I think there's never been anyone that's had the IQ and like the dexterity. I don't think there was ever a more talented just face up scorer than Carmelo Anthony, but he didn't do some other things as well. Um, I mean, bro, I mean, it might have to just pay homage, man. You know, I think. You know, there might be some people that may maybe had more athleticism, but they didn't reach the peak. I might have to say Skywalker, David Thompson. Bro. Like, you got to remember, they were trying to change the rules in NCAA basketball because of how David was playing, bro. Like, he was six foot four, yanking on everybody. He was an yeah. all-star guard. He could get to the rim. He could shoot a little bit. So I think everything put together, bro, I might have to say David Thompson. Alex English was was cold too, you know, a yeah. scorer as well. David Thomas, I'm not mad at that. That's an old school pick. Most old heads will definitely be be rocking with that answer. But I mean, to me, I think it's without a doubt. I think it's Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think from a talent perspective, Carmelo Anthony. When we talk about offensive package, he may have a top five offensive package this league has ever seen. We talk about just his footwork is impeccable. His face up game was in the post was very polished. Then he can he can stand from the, the second level in the basketball court all the way out to the three point level, and then we just like young Carmelo, his athleticism was there, and then you know we talk about just pure isolation scorer, like it don't get too much better than Carmelo Anthony. And, so, and when he got drafted, he you probably can make an argument he should have won the Rookie of the Year, and he went to the playoffs every time that he was with the Denver Nuggets. Like mm -hmm. and in the West when it was brutal. I'm talking about when it was a war. I'm talking about like everybody talks about parity in the league right now in the Western Conference and everybody's like, you know, 35, 37 and all these get. It was like 49 and like 50 and, and 30 and stuff like that. All these teams were great year mm -hmm. after year. So it's just kind of like, I think Carmelo Anthony is probably the most talented Denver Nugget to wear a, 
you know, the word yeah. put the jersey on. But I mean, I'm not mad at, at your pick as well. Um, yeah. Before our, for our next our next segment, Swiper, I'm going to, basically it's called a truth teller segment. So basically I'm going to read off a tweet and you're going to tell me if this guy or girl is a truth teller or not. And you're going to kind of give me your analysis based on that. Sounds okay. good? Yeah. First one. Denver Nuggets question, of course. Michael Porter Jr. being held is being held back. He needs to request a trade after this season to reach his full potential. This is by Coach Burks. Nah, that ain't no truth. That's false. <laughs> Porter is, is the best version of himself he's ever been, and he's accepted what he is. If Porter went to somewhere else, yeah, I mean, he'd be a 25 point per game score. But you know, to what end? Like, you know, so he's a better, he has better individual numbers, but not contributing to championship basketball. I think this is probably the best situation for him, but he could obviously go somewhere and score more points for sure. And definitely, I think he also is a, a guy that I don't think this guy's a truth teller either. He's a guy that you want to kind of develop and kind of keep because you know if things hit the fan, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But he's like he has for his potential. He's a guy like I said when we talked about earlier in the, in the show. He can be maybe a, a star, like a, a really good all star someday. So I definitely mm -hmm. not a truth teller. Here's one: ball don't stop. Nuggets go as far as Jamal Murray takes them this postseason. He has to be in bubble mode. Truth teller. Yeah. Him. You know, I think it's truth teller to some extent, but that's because, as you know, Amon, if you don't have a, a guard who can be a dominant half-court scorer, and meaning fadeaway, like the, the mid-range shot-making, three-point shot-making, getting to the rim, ball handling, like just creation as a whole – then you're not especially going a, very far. Especially as a big man. And that's why, and you know what? And that's why a lot of times when we have these conversations, people say, yo, you you come off as a Nicole Jokic or hater. I don't come off as a Nicole Jokic. I like Nicole Jokic a lot. But the same thing I say about Nicole Jokic, I'm a consistent. I say the same thing about Joe and B. I don't want my best player or think my best player in this, even our modern bigs, really being a center. The last time we saw a true center be the best player on a championship caliber team was really Shaquille O'Neal. You know, you can say mm -hmm. Gian Giannis is not really a center. He's a power forward. You know, it's the same mm -hmm. like Anthony Davis, even though Anthony Davis is playing the center position now. But it's just kind of like it was Shaq. So that's a that's a hard that's a hard thing to do to be a center and win a championship and be the best player on the team. So that's why I say, you know, Bartle Stops says Jamal Murray, as you pointed out, I'm like, yeah, I kind of I kind of agree because Jamal Murray is the key to the Denver Nuggets probably championship aspiration because he mm -hmm. don't have to be the best player. When we talk about it's going to be Nikola Jokic, but we talk about half court score, you know, hitting key shots, hitting you know shots in a variety of ways, and also taking the pressure off of Nikola Jokic. I definitely think he has to be in the 2020 bubble mode, which mm -hmm. he was crazy. Uh, last one, no three five two, Nikola Jokic, Luca, and B need to share the same pressure to win a ring that y'all give Curry, KD, and a damn near 40 year old LeBron. For whatever reason, only the U the U.S. players share the pressure, never the international players. Truth teller or not? Ooh, that's a lot. That's a lot. No, I ain't no truth telling that at all. <laughs> I know, I know. You remember when Dirk Nowitzki when he won MVP and they lost yeah. in the first round? You remember how they were slandering that man? And I remember that's that. And I didn't even like yeah. Dirk that much yeah. at that time. So yeah. for me, nah, Luca don't deserve. So if I had to rate pressure, Curry is established. LeBron is established. They four-time champions, and they're both top ten players ever. Like there's nothing to say about them. Jokic, I think, has more pressure than Luca and all the rest of them because Jokic might win his third MVP, and his team is healthy. And again, I'm arguing that Jokic is the better player because he's been able to prove it. So for me, right. it's like, yeah, well, 
the more pressure should be on you. I don't expect Embiid or Luca to do what you're asked to do because I don't think right. in this context at this time, like Luca, I mean, bro, Luca's 24, bro. By the time Luca's 28, he could be two, yeah. three MVPs himself, a championship himself. You know, we don't know. So I would say that I think that Jokic probably has the most pressure given the context of where his career is right now. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think he's a true teller as well. I mean, like you said, you talk about Dirk Nowitzki. We we can talk about, you know, Steve Nash, who's Canadian. Like, you know, this guy has been in the league that's had a lot of pressure. Of course, for Luka Doncic, I feel like it's coming, but it's just like you kind of got to let it let it grow. Let it, let it you know, you know, all the, just wait a little bit. Because like you said, he's right. 20, 24 years old. It's just like even that situation with the Dallas Mavericks with Kyrie Irving, and everybody's talking about, you know, they're kind of dropping off and they're falling, this and that. I feel like... You know, you got to get it time. The whole point of getting Kyrie Irving was kind of like, get Kyrie Irving, make Luka happy. Hopefully you can re-up Kyrie Irving, and then you build a team around those guys. And then that's when you probably start seeing the pressure. But, I mean, this guy basically been by himself <laughs> since he came right. into the league, you know, doing everything. Um, all right, now, I want you to say the first thing. I'm about to give you just a saying or a word or a phrase or basically a sentence. I want you to the first thing that comes to your mind. All right? All Sounds right. good. All right. The three best players since Michael Jordan retired. Woo! Tim Duncan, uh, LeBron James, and three best since the three Woo! best players. The three best players since Michael Jordan retired. Retired. Yeah, it's gonna be LeBron, Tim Duncan, and uh, man, this is rough, bro. Can you find you better <laughs> get me in trouble with two fan bases, bro? Gosh, bro, I'm gonna say. This I'm gonna say Kobe Bryant. I'm gonna say oh, Kobe Bryant, bro. I, I, I just, I hoped you had Kobe in there. You said Tim Duncan. <laughs> I know you be arguing that Tim Duncan is a better player than Kobe Bryant, but I don't, I don't view that. Uh, but Tim Duncan, LeBron, and Kobe—that's not a bad. That's not a bad three. I mean, well, let me ask you: Do you would you have Curry or Duncan or Kobe? Or like, how would you sort? How would you sort those three outside of Bron? Oh, I mean, I mean, if I got LeBron, I gotta have Kobe. In my eyes, I feel like you know me. I've, I'm always consistent. I think the three best players to ever play this game is Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and LeBron James. No matter who mm -hmm. you think is first, no matter who you think is third, I think it's those three for different reasons that we can get into another day. But right. for it's like the best since Michael Jordan retired, I probably would say Kobe, LeBron, and I love Tim Duncan, and I like Shaq a lot too. It's, it's, well, wait. Well, I, I guess it's are we it's counting? It's are it's we up. counting Shaquille O'Neal in there too? You could count Shaquille O'Neal since since Michael Jordan retired. Is I, I probably want to say Kobe, Bron. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. That's been pissed off. I would say Kobe, LeBron, and, and KD. Kevin Durant over Shaquille O'Neal and Tim Duncan. I'm gonna say Kobe. <laughs> I would say Kobe, Kobe, Kobe Bryant. I'm gonna say Kevin Durant, and I'm gonna say LeBron James. Because you know, Tim Duncan and Shaq. If I if I'm just talking about you know strictly basketball, the game of basketball, who's the the, the best basketball player? I will probably have Kevin Durant over those guys. But if we talking about resume combined with the talent and everything that they bring together, well, no, let, I, let me I, even I, ask I, you I, this: is 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 Kevin Durant even a better offensive player than Shaquille O'Neal? I mean, Shaq is the most dominant player this league has ever seen. I mean, and what he did. In his era, he was the best at his era. Well, and so, he, I think he averaged in the first three finals like thirty-four, like on crazy yeah, yeah, efficiency. Yeah, yeah, he was crazy. But I, I think Kevin Durant for it. I'm always. It's hard. It's hard to compare like bigs to 
right. to wings and, and guards and, and this and that nature. But I would say Kevin Durant, I don't think just if we take the the resumes and we take the you know the narratives and all these things out of the equation, I think Kevin Durant is not probably five basketball players that I would want to have over Kevin Durant. I'm not gonna say so like you're he's, talking, so you're talking about like when you're when you're saying that it sounds like you're talking about like offensive skill, like like offensive skill level stuff, Off- like in terms of dribbling, shooting, shooting and shot scoring, creation. Shot creation, all those things, like just pure skill and talent. Like just strictly basketball. Not talking about, you know, you know, on a team in this aspect, because if that's the case, we gotta mention Stephen Curry, you know. So it's just kind of like it's tough. Well, it's, 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 it's that, well, I'm saying, but is, is Kevin Durant even a better bat? Is he a better basketball player than Steph Curry? Yes. I don't think that's. <laughs> a, I don't, I don't think. <laughs> no, I think it's. Is that a question? I mean, we saw people can talk about like Kevin Durant joining Stephen Curry in a 73 and nine Warrior team, but Kevin Durant was the best player on those teams and made the Golden State Warriors a dynasty. It was Kevin Durant. It was Kevin Durant that hit the, the clutch shots. You know, year after year. it was Kevin Durant that was you know rim protecting and and doing all these great things. It was Kevin Durant where it was just kind of like made them truly unstoppable. He's the most portable player this league has ever seen. I mean, I love Stephen Curry. I think Stephen Curry is you know probably a top ten player of all time or if damn near close. But I think Kevin Durant is is Kevin Durant. So you think? Well, you think Kevin Durant top ten player of all time? I think yeah, it's it's not ten players. Resume, Wait, uh, talent, so skill. Like, resume, just, resume, a, resume, talent, skills. Kevin Durant is a top ten player of all time. So let's do the five. So, so if we got like, we'll just go from. Uh, so if you got, I, I knew mean, this was gonna happen. Just, you change it. We change the whole segment. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. This is fine. Go ahead. This so, this, this is just let's basketball. Say, let's say we got Jordan. I'm just gonna go yeah. off how I order the ten, and then you can take out whoever. I would have Jordan, LeBron, Kareem. Magic. Let's say, uh, do you do you value Bill Russell for you? You you don't know you want to put him in a conversation. I Bill Russell, I don't like to touch on, but Bill Russell's a legend. Uh, you know, rest just, in peace. Bill Russell, I don't. Bill Russell's. You can okay. have. Uh, he's probably not in my ten personally. All right, yeah, so let's do these four. Let, let's do Hakeem Olajuwon, Tim Duncan, Shaquille. So Tim Duncan, Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, I'm gonna have then Kobe Bryant, and then that's when you're gonna get into your Larry Bird, Steph Curry. And then you get into like your Wilt Chamberlains and, and players like that. So you're saying that you would have Kevin Durant in front of who in those categories? I would have Kevin Durant in front of Wilt. I would have Kevin Durant in front of, and I'm not saying like when I say top 10, he's, I think he's at that 10. You know, so I think he's at that. So you take out one of those guys, I feel like Kevin Durant is at that 10 right now. So you probably think he has a better argument than Larry? Which I think who who's who Larry Bird is a phenomenal. I think Larry Bird is cold. I think he's a phenomenal. Okay, wait, bro. Could you imagine Larry Bird in this era, bro? Yeah, yeah. Larry, Larry, Larry Bird. Is, Larry Bird is tough, but I'll probably take Kevin Durant over over Will Hakeem. I, I don't know. It's it's kind of like I don't want to say I'm having bias, but like I always value guys that can initiate their own offense. So I'm always going to go with the wing over a big because at the end of the day, Kareem is not in my top three because Kareem, somebody had to get the ball to him. You know, he he was phenomenal. He was special, unstoppable, skyhook. But Magic Johnson had to initiate a lot of stuff for him. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like even Shaquille O'Neal, people had to initiate a lot of stuff for him, even though Shaq was extremely dominant. That's what makes Giannis so special because Giannis is so dominant, 
but he initiated his own office. Jokic is so dominant. He's initiating his own office, you know? So that's why I love the modern bigs more so than the traditional bigs, even though I tend to gravitate towards the traditional bigs for it's like higher, you know, rankings, of course, because they've done it. But that's why I always tend to go with like guys like Wings and Kevin Durant and Larry Berg over guys like a Wilk or Hakeem or Bill Russell or even, you know, Shaquille O'Neal and that nature because I just feel like, yo, these guys create their own offense and it can create for others. So I think I always kind of value that more. Right. You know, I, I hear your logic, bro, for sure. I mean, that's, that's you know, we've had conversations over the years on Twitter about how we be basketball. So it makes sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, last one I'm going I'm to I'm ask you. Who's the best duo in the league right now? Duo? Duo in the league right now. You answer this question, then we're going to get into your top, your, your, your top favorite Nuggets players, and that's it. But you got to, who's the best duo in the league right now? Yeah, right now, probably, probably James Harden and Joel Embiid. Mm. Mm. No, no Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? Yeah, I think they're in that conversation. I think they would be in my top three. I think Joel Embiid, James Harden, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, maybe this year. This year, bro, my top three might be uh, Embiid, Harden, Jalen Tatum, and then maybe Drew and Giannis this year. This year. What about in the postseason? That's a whole different question. Because I'm telling uh, we, you right now, I'm telling you right now, if, if the Los Angeles Lakers healthy, I'm, I'm rolling with LeBron AD over, over the field, probably. That's just me personally. Yeah, bro. I mean, LeBron, 38 years old with a bad foot injury, he needs surgery on, and, and AD got a bonus for his foot. I have no <laughs> idea what they're going to look like, bro. <laughs> so that, there's a difference, you know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. Joe Embiid and James Harden, inside-outside combination. Those brothers have been playing very phenomenal. But Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, I, I think they have a, I have a legitimate argument. How do you think Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are going to do? Yeah, they're gonna be cold, bro. I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. That shot making been to be crazy. I think the yeah. their half their 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 half court mid range shot making is probably gonna be everything a hooper loves, right? Like you're gonna see a lot of pull ups. They don't get to the rim super well, but like if you're making you know 38 percent from three and, and 50 to 49 percent from mid range, you don't really need to consistently. I think they're gonna be really good. I just don't know. They don't have a lot of defensive pieces right now. Like, so I think Kevin Durant's going to be asked to carry a lot. I don't know if he physically can be like your best defender because as good as Aiden is at times, Aiden, bro, like his motor is just so like it's up, up and down. down. Inconsistent, inconsistent, definitely inconsistent. Um, final question. Top three favorite Nuggets players of all time. Oh, bro. Yeah, yeah easily. Easily. <laughs> easy. Easily, Jokic, Carmelo, Anthony, and I'll say like, shoot, bro, one, one for the hood, one for the hood. Not even the best ever, just on on the on the court, but just uh, for growing up, I'll say Chauncey for I'll say Chauncey because of the Park Hill connection. So I'll say Jokic, I'll say Jokic, Melo, and Chauncey for sure. I'm not, I mean, I'm not mad at it. You know, that's your three. That's your favorite. Shout out to giving Chauncey some praise. That's, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't, he was a, it's kind of like crazy. He's a border, borderline, maybe could be a Hall of Famer, maybe, but he he was tough. Chauncey was a tough, mm -hmm. big, big shot Chauncey. Uh, but no, Swipe Kim, I appreciate you for coming on, man. I just want to say thank you. This has been a phenomenal show. Um, 
Swiper Cam, any last words you want to say to the Hoop Ties audience or just, you know, where we can find you on Twitter or Instagram and things of that nature? Yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously, you know, shout out to Slam. Big fan. Been a big fan for years. Shout out to you, Ahmad. The work you've been doing. You did an incredible job today. As you always do an incredible job hosting and moderating and having conversations. So shout out to you, man. Like nothing but success to you, bro. Now, if you want to hear more from me, you can find me at Swipe Cam on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find me on YouTube at Swipe Cam. I cover the NBA and the NFL. And look, you know what I mean? Like just trying to build a community one day at a time, bro. So uh, just on my grind, same way as you, brother. Yes, sir. Swipe a cam. My house sports, Denver analyst. I really appreciate you, bro. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, appreciate you, bro.